Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Today in Sports. My name is JP. I am once again accompanied by Anthony Belady. Anthony, how are you doing, bro? Doing great today, as always. Uh, here we go. Um, we have a lot to talk about today, as always, so let's jump right into it. Today, we're wrapping up our college basketball season, which I can speak for myself and Anthony. I am not too happy about that. I mean, we we are both big college basketball fans, and for the season to be over, we got we got to be waiting until like November. So it's 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 a little bit tough, but we're gonna wrap up the season in fashion here today. So we're gonna talk the final four in the national championship first off today. Our first game, UCLA versus Gonzaga, and I can speak for all of us when I say. I did not expect it to be that great of a game. Not one of the best turn, uh, games of uh, the tournament, which in my opinion, it was the best game of the tournament. It's a Final Four classic. Um, 11 seed, first four to the Final Four, UCLA. Taking on the undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs. I mean, and UCLA was in this game. They took this game to overtime. We're talking overtime. And Johnny Juzang laid it in with about three seconds to go. And then Jalen Suggs. A half-court heave to defeat the UCLA Bruins and knock off their Cinderella run. Anthony, do you have any thoughts on this game? Yeah, it's really impressive what UCLA did. They were able to respond to every type of Gonzaga push they made. Gonzaga was never able to come up with a sizable lead. It always stayed within around seven, five points. Um, Johnny Juzang was obviously great. Um, Hawkins performed well. Campbell managed the game for UCLA. And the surprise guy, Riley, really played well, I thought, at the center position, both ends of the floor. Obviously, on Gonzaga, it was the usual that game. Kispert, Timmy, and Suggs that performed well. Back and forth game all the way through. But you really look at Gonzaga's three stars that made the big-time plays down the stretch. Um, you had Kispert, I remember, had a big rebound, put back, kept them going. Suggs had, obviously, the block, the pass that was great. The shot at the end, obviously. And Timmy had a monster game, um, pushing the UCLA bigs, getting a lot of fouls drawn. Back and forth game, ultimately Gonzaga wins. Bang shot at the buzzer. Give both teams credit. They played a great game. Nobody really lost that game, as Jay Bill has tweeted out after. You, Gonzaga just won it. So, really great game. Props to UCLA, great season, going first four, final four, second time it's ever been done. And, yeah, Gonzaga moved on to the national championship. And, yeah, I mean, more to come on UCLA later in the episode. Wow, their future is looking very bright for next year. And our, la our second Final Four game, Houston taking on Baylor. And this was not a game at all. Not a game. Tip to buzzer. Utter dominance from the Baylor Bears. They did not let up. We had our concerns going into this tournament with Baylor, and they proved us all utterly wrong. Yeah, um, Houston, you know, you be all double-digit seeds, you make it to the Final Four, but Baylor's a different animal. It's a one seed. The Baylor guards were getting anything they want whenever they wanted. Houston's offense was a struggle the whole game through. Um, not really much can be said. It was really just... There was nothing really, there was no drama to the game. It was Baylor wire to wire. They played they play like the team that they did before COVID hit their program. That game for sure. And I'm surprised, obviously, the Gonzaga-UCLA game took more of the spotlight. 
But that was the real story of the day, the way Baylor looked that game. Because people expected Baylor to win. You know, some people picked Houston, obviously, but a lot of people picked Baylor to win. But nobody picked Baylor to win like that. It was dominant start to finish. I, I, I don't want to be that guy, but I kind of had a feeling it was going to happen. I, I had a feeling. I mean, Houston had not proved itself up to this point. They all, like you said, all surprising those, um, what was really surprising is Baylor is um, score, the way they were scoring because Houston oh was both good defense, but everything was easy for Baylor, offense and defense. Unbelievable. It was, it was, I think we were just going to stop talking about it because it was just a great, it was a great game if, uh, on Baylor's point of view. It was a very good game. And let's just talk about the national championship. We have a new national championship, ladies and gentlemen, the Baylor Bears. After two years, or excuse me, a one year hiatus off the tournament, we have a national champion. And it really feels good to say that. And Deservedly so. I mean, a round of applause to those Baylor Bears. Fantastic. What a game. They put on a clinic, and I think it was the first wire-to-wire victory since 2014 UConn. Just they led the whole game. It was never a game. They started off on a 90-0 run, and they just did not look back. I mean, Gonzaga cut it to 10 by halftime, but... And I, I can admit, I kind of felt a little bit of a Zad comeback, maybe. But then Baylor just really, really shut me up in the second half. Jared Butler, most outsta- outstanding player. Uh, Davion Mitchell, this kid is very special. Of course, he said he is going to wait to make his announcement for the NBA draft, despite reports going around that he is going to the NBA draft. So we'll see on that. But... Ladies and gentlemen, your 2021 national champions, Baylor Bears. Anthony, anything to add? Scott Drew, got to give him a round of applause. When he took that team over, um, Baylor had a serious allegation, player murdering their own teammate. That was the allegation. Baylor was in shambles. You know, they could, nobody would go to Baylor. Baylor was the laughing stock of college basketball. He takes the program over. He says in his press conference, you know, we don't want to make just make the tournament we want to Win, win the whole thing. And he built it year after year. They've been consistent since around 2010. And he, he just, this year in general, with the coach, which is difficult for all teams, he job. And he had a great game plan heading in. They started out 9 nothing. The guards, like we've been saying with Baylor the whole year, were dominant. Baylor was the, the physical, more nastier team towards Gonzaga. Gonzaga really couldn't get anything that they would in a normal Gonzaga type of game. It was a lot of Baylor. It was some Gonzaga, but it was a lot of Baylor that game. Wire to wire, obviously. Give credit where credit's due to Baylor. Impressive job by both the players and Scott Drew as a coach. Unbelievable. I mean, it's very sad that our college basketball season has come to an end. But don't worry, everybody. We are not done. This entire episode is going to be a great send-off to college basketball for the year. And we are from Michigan. We are Michigan and Michigan State fans, me being the Michigan fan. And we are going to just talk some recruiting and what these teams will be like next year. So let's talk Michigan recruiting. Number one class coming in, highlighted by Caleb Houston out of Montverde and then Musa Diabite out of IMG. And you have... 
Caleb Buff, um, excuse me, Colby Buffkin, excuse me, out of uh, Grand Rapids. You have Frankie Collins. You have some great players coming in. And Michigan is looking to be really good next year. But one thing that me and Anthony were talking about was the lack of experience that this Michigan group might have. Five of the seven major role players this year in the Michigan team were all seniors. And of course, rumors are going around that maybe a couple are returning, of course. Um, most notably, maybe Chandi Brown or Eli Brooks looking to exercise that extra year of eligibility. But then you see just today, a, a couple of hours ago, you see Mike Smith, the Columbia transfer, called it a college career after five years, four years in the Ivy League, one league in one one year at Michigan. He declared for the NBA draft. Um, congratulations to congratulations to him. What a player he was for this for us this year, definitely. Um, and then it just we'll, we'll see what's to come with these Wolverines. I mean, it could, in my opinion, it could go great or horribly wrong with the with the young talent. I mean. Caleb Houston looking like a one-and-done player. Even though he said that he would like to stay for more than a year, you never know what can happen. Uh, I don't want to assume anything. I don't want to speak for the kid. Um, Musa Diabite might be a one-and-done player. I mean, we'll see with these with these Michigan recruits. I, I think Kobe Bufkin might be here to stay, of course. The McDonald's All-American. Great kid. We like... I... I, I I like him a lot. I'm excited for him to be coming in. And just a quick scouting report on like the major two players. Caleb Houston, according to 247 and you know, um highlights, this kid is he's a great shooter, man. He is unreal. He's not, I don't really see much. You don't really see this kind of stuff in high school basketball. You don't see a small forward hitting threes like it's nothing. He's arguably the best shooter in high school basketball. He just led Montverde to a victory over Sunrise Christian uh, the other day. And wow, he is fantastic. Um, Musa Diabite, this guy gets his work done in the paint around the rim. He's electric, he's strong. He can slam the ball like you've never seen before. Fantastic player. Fantastic talent. And this uh, IMG just lost Sunrise Christian in the same like kind of tournament they were in. And we'll get, we'll get to that later. But unbelievable. Th- these two players, Anthony, anything on this Michigan recruiting class? Anything on Michigan next year? You know, it is the number one class in the country. Talent is definitely there. Debite and Houston probably being the most polished coming in. Obviously, where they're rated. Um, their skill sets where they are currently. Buffkin and Frankie Collins, good, great players, obviously great talent. Might take a little bit more time than Houston or Diabite just because of the lesser skill set that they have as of right now. Should be very interesting with Michigan next year. There's a lot of talent coming, a lot of change. And I mean, like, you see... You see, I mean, this is going to be an interesting offseason for the Wolverines. I mean, you know, Jawan Howard, like you saw this year, he, he's going to utilize that transfer portal, in my opinion. I mean, who knows? He can bring in guys. But I think those guys might just need to live with playing on the bench for a little bit. Unless they, of course, solidify their spot as a starter, which we'll, we'll see when the season comes around. We have a long way to go. But, yeah, I mean, 
that's all that can be said for Michigan for now. I mean, it should be really interesting to see with these Wolverines. Next up, we have the Michigan State Spartans. Anthony, I'm going to let you do most of the talking here. But yeah, okay. these, these, these Spartans, man, this class is good. And Amani Bates, of course, the number one player in the class of 2022 and arguably the best player in college basketball through and through. I'm not college basketball, excuse me, high school basketball through and through. And this guy, I mean, we'll see if he might reclass to 2021. I mean, you know more about that than I do because you are the Spartan on this show. So, Anthony, look, can you talk about that real quick? I would just like to say something in general, though, for both Michigan State and Michigan and all the other teams. The offseason is a long, long process, and there's going to be – before we even see transfers, we might see the seniors make the decision, stay leaving. Same Definitely. with the NBA guys. It's going to be a long, long offseason for both teams. Just wanted to state that before everything else. Both Michigan State – Amani Bates I'll touch on last because that's kind of a separate type of thing from everything else. He's you know, he's just kind of his own, his own thing with his parents, family at Ipsy Prep. Um, first, Jaden Akins, who was with Ipsy Prep initially, then transferred over to Sunrise Christian. Very athletic guard. One of the most athletic players Tom Izzo has probably ever brought in here. Palace shooter. Going to take some time, like every Izzo guard, though, to learn the system a little bit because Izzo runs his, you know, there's a lot of plays and all that type of stuff to pick up at Michigan State. Always takes guards time. For example, most recently, Cassius Winston. Um, he should be a great player here. Good addition. But I would expect him to come off the bench with Tyson Walker coming in as a transfer from Northeastern. Uh, next up, Pierre Brooks out of Detroit Douglas. He, he, is, he has a toughness to him that I think a lot of Michigan State people really like. Um, Mr. Michigan basketball candidate this year and having a phenomenal year. Just led Detroit Douglas to a win yesterday in, in the state championships. Um, he's been having a remarkable year. He can really shoot the ball, kind of like Aikens. Um, bit, can get to the rim. But really what sticks out with him is his toughness. And I think he'll, he'll, be, he'll be somebody that fits in really nicely. But again, like Aikens, probably off the bench, just you know, at playing a forward position, there might not really be a spot for him with his experience yet. But sure, but surely we'll have an impact next year. Lastly, Max Christie, um, out of Illinois, Rolling Meadows High School. Um, he's he's arguably like Houston, like you said, one of the best shooters in that class. The way he can shoot the ball from long range is something that's going to transla- translate immediately. You don't forget how to shoot when you go to the next level. Um, he can put the ball on the floor. He's put on weight, so he's stronger than he was his junior year. He's someone that's probably going to start right away, just just because based off of Pierce, kind of like Diabite in Houston, more skill heading in, more things that they have to their disposal. Just more, just more, just more ahead of probably everyone else coming in. He'll start next year. He'll be probably the best player in the class immediately. But, yeah, this pretty good class Tom Izzo has bringing in. Obviously picking up already Tyson Walker from the portal. Um, that there, there isn't much else to talk there. Michigan State brings in that class and Tyson Walker, hoping for a bounce-back year. Should be able to produce with that class and Tyson Walker. Um, then Imani Bates. That is it's kind of like it's its own thing. Um, not a lot of people know people, a lot of people make assumptions. You might see people on Twitter making statements 
Oh, he's never going to step foot in East Lansing. Oh, the G League's not for him. Oh, overseas is not for him. He's going to stay out and stay out altogether and just train for the NBA draft. Nobody really knows. The only person, I don't even think Amani knows. Um, a kid like that, his age, with all the people in his ears, he's going to be changing his mind pretty frequently. And I still think he's unsure. In regards to this year, it should be very interesting to see. From what I see, it, he most likely won't come to Michigan State. From what I see as a Michigan State fan. Now, he might come this year, but this year specifically, I personally don't see it. So are you saying you don't see – so I know you're saying this year specifically, and I, I agree with you from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think – because, you know, Tom is a kind of guy who – the guy likes to get his season started early. He Yes, he for sure, especially after last year. Especially after last year. He's going to want to jump into it. Happen this offseason. And Amani Bates needs to announce his decision somewhat quickly. Um, Amani – I mean, excuse me. Tom Mizzo is not going to – Tom Mizzo is the kind of guy – I think. If I had to bet right now, Tom Mizzo was in the lab working on his plans for next year. And I don't think he's going to want Amani Bates coming around in, you know, August, uh, yeah. September, coming just into the gym because Tom Mizzo's going to want to have a plan by, I would say, about like early summer, July. He's going to want to have his plan in his head set for the new season. He's going to want to work out the kinks. Because we saw what happened this year. It was a yes. It was a tragic season. Rocket Watts specifically, you know, there was no off season for Rocket Watts. He couldn't fill into that void at point guard. You know, he learned from last year, right? Like he he put all his marbles into Kareem Maine over the off season. The five star point guard of Canada ultimately declared for the NBA draft last year. It didn't work out, and it left him into a difficult situation. You know, with the COVID off season. He has to put all his marbles into the bag then with Rocket Watts. It didn't work out without the offseason. He couldn't make that transition from shooting guard where he naturally plays to point guard. Um, this year, right away, he gets Tyson Walker. He learned from last year. He's not He's not going to sit here and wait for Imani Bates to think and make his decision in August. Michigan State needs to get a head start this offseason. They have a lot of work to do, a lot of holes from last year that need to be filled, a lot of things that need to be fixed. If you lose Aaron Henry, who was a big bulk of the team this year, a lot of guys are going to have to step in and make a difference right away. And that offseason is going to be very important. So time is always not going to wait for Imani Bates to make that decision. And, I mean, and you don't even know if he's going to come in general. I mean, the guy, there's been, like, of course, there was a, the Bleacher Report um, notification that went viral that Imani Bates is going to pursue the G League. Then Imani kind of calmed the storm mm-hmm. and announced on his Instagram story that nothing is – um. Nothing is valuable information unless it comes from him, himself. And I will tell our listeners, though. I will tell our listeners, sorry to interrupt. No that problem. These next two years, nobody but, not, not even Imani Bates knows what he's going to do. So if anything comes out making assumptions, unless it's from Imani Bates and it becomes official and it happens, and like there's a- actual evidence it happens, th- th- you can't assume anything. What Bleacher Report did... Is just like it's just an assumption. It's like again, the guy is going to change his mind frequently. There's people in his ear. The guy has a big audience around him, big big amount of people around him. As of right now, like I said before, though, I think he's in a good situation at FC Prep. His dad's a coach. He can kind of control his schedule, his school schedule, all that type of stuff. Um, 
Everyone knows once Imani Bates goes to the NBA, though, he's that guy. He's going to probably be picked up high, number one, however you want to put it. He's going he's gonna to be that guy. His time will come in the NBA. He's going to make his decision. We have to hold back, though, as people who don't really know. You know, we can't make assumptions. People, people forget that this kid is a junior in high school. Let me repeat that. A junior in high school, and they still find a way to try and twist his words, try and figure out what he's doing. And what I have to say on that is just let the guy live. Mm-hmm. He Let him live out his high school life. And whether it be basketball, a different career that he wants to pursue, which is going to be most likely basketball, as we all know, yeah. let him live his life. Don't be shoving cameras in his face, microphones in his face, trying to get a statement out of them because he's he not going to what he's doing. He's not going to give it to you. He his mind every day. I could tell you that. Yeah, he's, he's not going to give it to you. He's not going to give it to you. And he doesn't really know that he's, he's in a situation where he has time to think and he's going to think. Yup, this is a life decision. This decision can set him up for life. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's a huge decision. And I mean, I kind of want to wrap up the recruiting talk, the Amani Bates talk, and we're gonna kind of go into another aspect of Michigan and Michigan State, and we're gonna look at the preseason rankings from various sites on these two teams. So, first up, we have Gary Parrish from CBS. He is putting Michigan in at number eight in the country. And he's also putting Michigan State in at number 18 in the country. And in my opinion, this is not bad. You know, Michigan's losing a lot of players next year, as we all know. It's going to be a very young team. So, I mean, eight might be a little bit high for these Wolverines. But I think it's just perfect. And 18 for Michigan State, you can also argue it's a little bit high. I would probably put him around 20, in my opinion, around that range, which is 18 is in that range. Eight, I think that's good. I'm not not mad at that at all. How about you, Anthony? I would just like to say before we go go over all the preseason rankings, that with the preseason rankings, especially this early, there's going to be a lot of transfers, a lot of movement in college basketball. So it's, it is a little bit difficult to tell. These are very early, everybody. These are very early rankings. Nothing is official. There's still a lot to be done. The college basketball season just ended two days ago. Let's call, let's call my horses. This is just uh, just predictions, everything. Just let everybody know. And to, with the rankings, um, talent-wise, Michigan is a top-10 team. But we'll ultimately see how everything fares once it happens because barring any seniors or transfers coming in as they currently sit, they're very, very young and it could offer to either end up being a huge success or a bit of a failure this year based off of the talent they have because it's young. Michigan State, on the other hand, with the rough year they had, it's reasonable to put them at 18. They're Michigan State, though, so they find themselves in the rankings. They have a nice class. Tyson Walker comes in. Um, should be interesting to see. The Big Ten, as usual, should be good this year. And I think those are two pretty fair rankings as of right now. Yeah, I think those are – I would agree with that. I mean, let's talk ESPN's Jeff Borzello. This one I'm not very happy about. <laughs> He has Michigan State at number 22, which is very valid in my opinion, considering the awful year they just had. But he has Michigan at 17. In my opinion, that's a little that's 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 a little bit too low. I mean, sure, we're losing a lot of players. 
But you have to also consider the fact that we were just the Big Ten champions and had an Elite Eight appearance, and we have the number one class. And with all of that meshed together, you cannot put us at 17. That's just my opinion. Anthony, do you have anything to say about that? Um, I, in a way, agree with you, but you have to look at it like, yes, Michigan was a very good team last year. They win the Big Ten standings outright. They go to Elite Eight, but that's last year's team. This team's going to be totally different. In the article, they do state they're assuming all seniors leave in that article which might, might not end up being the case. Eli Brooks could come back, for example, like JP said earlier, Chandy Brown. Um, Michigan's a really tough poll. They're a very, very tough poll because as of right now, it's really hard to rank them because we don't know if they're going to bring in any transfers. We don't know if which seniors are going to come back and not. Um, we don't know how the freshmen will really pan out. They have no college experience. We, we can't. The high school game is very different than the college game, so Eight can be reasonable. 18, in my opinion, can be reasonable. It's very hard to tell with this Michigan team heading into this year. Michigan State 22, very similar to the other article. I don't really think there needs to be much to be said there. That's a pretty solid spot anywhere in that bottom part of the top 25. But, yeah, Michigan's really just a tough poll. And, I mean, mean, this – in my opinion – The rankings don't matter. I mean, we'll see. That is is true. For the audience listening – the rankings, you, if you're the champions of right after the other season ended, that means nothing. I mean, where Baylor's not even... Where you ranked before the beginning of the year doesn't matter. Baylor's not even top five in many of these websites, which is, which is kind of bizarre to me. I mean, I know that they're the national champions. Let them have a day at the top, in my opinion. Um, but these rankings truly, they mean a little bit, but do not pay attention to it. All that matters is by March of next year, which we are 11 months away, that these teams, Michigan and Michigan State, are in full swing and that they are in place to get a high seeding in the NCAA tournament. Let's move on to our next website. NCAA.com's Andy Katz. This is going to be... He's going to have Michigan State at 16. And... Anthony's going to be a little bit upset when I say this. He's Michigan at number two in the country, which I will come out and say as a Michigan fan, that is too high. Number two in the country is, it's a little bit too high for me. I mean, this team is great. And I'm a Michigan fan, ladies and gentlemen, like you've heard me repeat many times. And I'm sorry for doing that. But it's a little bit too high, number two in the country. I mean, you're losing, like I said, a lot of seniors. And if none of them come back, you can't even put this team top 10. So we'll see what happens with Michigan, like Anthony said. And Anthony, like he said, there's not much to be said on Michigan State. And we're just going to kind of like pass by them on this article as he has them at number 16 once again. And this is the last article, ladies and gentlemen, that we are going to talk about. Sporting News, Mike DeCourcy. This is an interesting one. He puts Michigan State. At number nine in the poll, he has Michigan at 11. I mean, that's kind of outrageous to me. I don't know about you, Anthony. Anything to say about that? Yeah, I mean, again, with these way too early rankings, it's so hard to really, like, make a, make a estimated guess of where a team's going to be ranked. Obviously, I think nine's probably too high. But Michigan State could play themselves to that ranking. Once the year starts, that's that's the thing with these early season rankings. One hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's why we're telling you guys, 
do not pay too much attention to these rankings because this Michigan team was ranked 25th in the country for the 2020-2021 season. And this team, for the most part of the year, was a top seven team, top 10 team. And eventually was the top three team in the, or top three team in the country. Which and, um, fantastic. To add on to that, you know, Mike DeCourcy says in the article, similar to what Michigan this year with Mike Smith, Michigan State lands a transfer point guard. And a point guard in college basketball, as we all know, is critical to your success. Runs the show, makes everyone else better, keep, basically makes you a good team. Determines if you're a good or bad team. You know, Tyson Walker wins Defensive Player of the Year in his conference. He's averaging 18 points a game. It's a good pickup, and if he trans and if he translates well and he fits well with all the other pieces that Michigan State has, there's talent there. They could find themselves in that type of ranking, but it's really hard to tell if Michigan State. Out of what happened last year, though, I would put them more towards the bottom. But again, these rankings are very, very early, very, very hard to tell. There's going to be a lot more movement in these rankings, obviously, when there's transfers and all that type of stuff. In general, like JP said, all that matters is how you're playing when March hits. I mean, Anthony, you said it very well there. And we're gonna we're gonna take a pause on Michigan, Michigan State talk for the rest of the show. We're gonna talk about the Big Ten in general now. Let's talk the Big Ten struggles. The Big Ten hasn't won a national championship since the Michigan State Spartans in 2000 with Mateen Cleaves. And that's outright embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I mean, we thought this was the year. We had Illinois as a one seed, Michigan as a one seed, Iowa as a two seed. You had Purdue as a four seed. And all of these teams, besides Michigan, on Michigan, you could say they underachieved. They didn't make the final four. They lost to a first four team. But at least we made it to the Elite Eight. Illinois got knocked out by Loyola Chicago, which is not a bad team whatsoever. But Illinois is a better team than them. And they just, they just didn't play well. Purdue getting knocked out in the first round. Iowa getting knocked out in Iowa getting knocked out in the second round. And I mean, Anthony, anything to say on that? Or I mean, there there's really not there's not much, honestly. I mean, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep going on with it. I mean, the the Big Ten has just had multiple, multiple, multiple struggles, and I don't know I really don't know what to say about the Big Ten. Anthony, anything to say about that? Yeah, I mean with the Big Ten this year, um it's obviously disappointing. March is a game of matchups, the one-game situation. A lot of these teams probably don't lose in, you know, a best-of-ten a best type situation, a best-of-seven like the NBA does. But in that one-game situation, anything can happen. Um, it was severely disappointing, for sure. Ohio State loses to Oral Roberts. Um, Iowa loses to Oregon. Notable ones. Totally forgot about the Oral Roberts. But I, I think people, people really built up hype for the Big Ten. Based off of how many teams they were putting in. But if we were being quite genuine, the Big Ten probably was just a very competitive conference this year that wasn't maybe as good as we thought. And I mean, it's a hard truth with the Big Ten this year. But that just might be the case. Um, I really thought Illinois could do something specifically with that team, but they ran into a bad matchup with Loyola Chicago and the way they defend, they took them out of the game. Um, the Big Ten will be back as usual. They're always they're always they always perform in March, but that last national championship being in two thousand really really hurts their case. Um, at, as a stronger conference, um, they'll obviously break that eventually. But yeah, they've had 
It's been unfortunate some of the years in the Big Ten, especially this one, with how much was surrounding. I mean, it. you really just said it for me, Anthony. I mean, well, I mean, we'll see with with the Big Ten, but we just are going to try and wrap up the show uh, with some coaching hires. Um, we have Hubert Davis taking over from Roy Roy Williams. Uh, wow, Hubert Davis. I, I mean, I like the hire. He's been. He's within North Carolina for a while. He's been on Roy Williams' staff. He's beloved within the program. So, I mean, anything to say on that, Anthony? Um, with Hubert Davis, you have obviously a guy like JP said that was that's familiar to North Carolina program. He played there was a first round pick in the NBA. Um, Roy Williams, in my opinion, said it perfectly. Um, this guy is an underachiever. I mean, overachiever, not underachiever. Excuse me for that overachiever his whole career. When he, when he came to North Carolina, Dean Smith questioned what type of player he was going to be. He questioned if he should even offer him. But he offers him, he overachieves. Goes to the NBA, he overachieves for what, what was expected. He played, he played many years in the NBA. He's going to bring something to North Carolina. He's going to bring a culture, I think. Um, if Roy Williams really likes him, I'm going to go with Roy Williams, the Hall of Famer, and say he's a good hire. Obviously familiar with Carolina, we already said. I think all, all around pretty good hire for Carolina. Uh, I'd have to agree with that. And, I mean, Sean Miller from Arizona getting fired today. I mean, mm-hmm. of course, with the recruiting kind of scandals roaming around, I mean, it's kind of been in the works. The program has not been at that level for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Of course, they had a very good class in 2020. Or uh, I think it was 2019 with Nico Mannion, who is now on the Golden State Warriors. I mean, not much really to be said with Arizona right there. Anything you'd like to add, Anthony? I mean, when you got caught on the phone for cheating and offering your players money like Sean Miller did, there's not really much avoiding it. It's already there. Um, really hurts you in recruiting once that happens because they know you as a cheater. Player doesn't want to get associated with a cheater. Um, perfect example, Bowen at um, Louisville when Patino was still the coach there. Couldn't play college basketball. Kind of messed him up a little bit for his future. Arizona made the right move, letting him go. It was best for both parties. Sean Miller is really damaging when you cheat to your legacy. It's a shame that it happened. And, yeah, well, it should be very interesting to see who Arizona hires because they had a good program going for some years. And it'd be interesting to see if they can get back to that. Because they can clearly recruit. You know, they recruited um, most recently DeAndre Ayton, who went number one overall in the NBA draft. Playing good, great for the Suns right now. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much to be said with Arizona in general. But, I mean, I mean, we it's really upsetting. College basketball is over. And that's going to do it for our podcast today. Um. We have a lot of exciting stuff, guys. Just just keep on listening. I mean, just thank you guys for the, the just attending the podcast. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to us. And don't you guys go anywhere yet. We're going to be talking some college football, maybe some professional uh, sports as well, NBA, NFL. It should be really exciting. We have a lot planned going forward with this podcast. And once again, Anthony, thank you for coming on, my man. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And that's going to do it for Today in Sports. See you guys next time.